Hello, my name is Adam Snyder, and this is Good Bad Movies. I'm here, of course, with Adrian Lopez. Adrian, how are you? Good. Ooh, it's, <laughs> it's Halloween. October. It's October. We made it. Hell yeah, this is my favorite month out of the 12 that exist. Me too. It is fittingly my birth month, and uh, I am I am happy about it. I'm just happy that we are here we're going to talk about one of the best Halloween movies ever. Th this movie is so Halloween, it's not even funny. I'm just ready. I'm excited. And what movie is that? Trick or Treat. Or actually, it's Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Yes. Yeah, the 2007 yes. horror anthology film, Trick or Treat. I love this movie so much. When you suggested uh, we do it, I was so happy that I got a chance to watch this movie again. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, this movie, it's an anthology film, which I tend to not enjoy, but I thought it was perfect for the podcast because it's very solid Halloween movie. Very very solid horror movie, but not in the usual sense. This movie has an air of levity to it. It's not this like nitty gritty horror film in the uh, in the classic sense, right? It's not aiming to scare you. I think this movie is for people like us that can really just enjoy the the goofy nature of a lot of the um, episodic material here. And uh, I mean, just really give a, a fan of Halloween and a fan of the genre a good time for, you know, about an hour and a half. No, absolutely. This is a horror movie, sure, but more than that, it's a Halloween movie. It oozes the season. It, it oozes just a love for the holiday. And I love Halloween. Of course, how many horror movies have we covered on this podcast alone? This isn't even a horror movie podcast. It just keeps turning into that because that's what we watch. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like, we, we really... it's It really wasn't, I guess, meant to be a horror movie podcast. But when you think good bad movies it's unfortunate that the the horror or, or fortunate for us rather that the horror genre is exactly that it's just a massive sprawling genre full of movies that aren't quite good aren't quite bad they're somewhere in between and they're a lot of fun now i think this is a great movie i just don't think it's a great horror movie i think it's to your point a great halloween movie yeah no i'm i'm so into the season after watching this i baked like oh. a bunch of like halloween themed desserts and stuff and I had a bunch of friends watch it with me and we all loved it. It was fantastic. Do you want to let's let's talk about the movie. Let's get into yeah. it. Yeah. So this movie was written and directed by Michael Doherty, I think his name is, uh, or Doherty, which we've actually talked about a few of his movies before. Uh, he is the guy that did the newest uh, Godzilla films, or rather, I think he did Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, so we're pretty well acquainted with his work yeah and i gotta say um i'm a fan i think this is my favorite that he's done though oh for sure he also did krampus which i think is pretty fun oh yeah um, i do like krampus yeah this trick-or-treat movie is it's such a strong strong directorial debut and i do believe this is his directorial debut he did a short film but i think this is the first thing that he had um actually debut on the on the big screen yeah i think um, it is too and it's a great start i love it he hasn't directed as much but what a good thing to have directed no i completely agree and this movie it, it's non-linear but you do get right into it from the very beginning i mean it, they hold no punches our cold open is dare i say one of the most memorable i think i've seen in any movie that we've covered in this podcast sure i feel like you say that about every cold open no, no, <laughs> but, but, but they but the thing is is that they get stronger they keep oh. one-upping uh, the last one so yeah exactly see that's the point i think it's just uh, 
our selection is too good. They're not bad enough, these movies. Right, right. So in the uh, the very opening, we meet this couple. Their names are, I believe henry and emma and and henry is very much like us he he is the classic halloween fan takes halloween very seriously and uh his wife not so much and we catch them as they're coming back home after what probably was a costume party and as they enter emma his wife sees the jack-o'-lantern out there on the on the stoop and she blows it out before midnight and this of course freaks henry out as a as a fan of the Halloween. He knows that that is against tradition and it's not very good luck. But nonetheless, Henry enters and Emma starts to like, for some reason, uh, it's it's clearly late, right? It's not midnight, but it's probably like 10 o'clock. And for some reason, she just starts like taking down the Halloween decorations immediately, which I think is super bizarre. And she is murdered while she does so. Henry's inside and he's just chilling. <laughs> he's drunk and oh, he goes on right. to watch an explicit movie to get in the mood for uh, when Emma comes up and he does doesn't hear her screams because he's too busy sleeping. He somehow fell asleep as he watched these films, but uh, you know. He does sober up a little bit when he wakes up and he finds her now amongst the decorations, like suspended and just all bloodied and and that is our cold open. And she has a a lollipop jammed into her mouth. (laughs) Yeah, comedically. And we learn later on uh, whose lollipop that is. Yes, we do. So when they filmed this cold open, open they film like i guess we could say the cold open works as the first short story in this series of anthologies and while they're talking and henry's like you shouldn't blow out the candles it's disrespectful what about tradition what about yada 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 and and she disrespects the halloween tradition is what it is and that's what gets her killed as they're having this we get a few shots of like some sort of creature cam that's stalking them that's staring at them and this creature is the thing that kills her and uh after the cold open we find out that it's this little guy. He wears a burlap sack over his head and orange footy pajamas. Uh, and he carries around like a little lollipop, which is the one he kills her with. And right, it's uh, bitten into and sharpened. Yeah, he bites into it and uses it as like a knife, basically. And he's in every story. Maybe he's not in the story, but he is seen in every story. He sort of watches voyeuristically at the very least. And the only story he really participates in is the first story and the last one. And these are notably about characters that go against tradition and do something disrespectful towards the spirit of Halloween. So this character who they never name him in the movie but his name is Sam. That's the name of this character. Sam is is sort of like just this little... Halloween spirit, I guess. He's like the embodiment of the holiday. And I think that's the best way to describe him because I don't know many people that have heard about this movie, but everybody has seen this little guy. He's everywhere. And I think that's just because he is perfectly designed to just be Halloween. And that's why he's in all the front yards and all the Halloween decor and merch and stuff. He's a fantastic mascot for the holiday. And that's the thing, right? I mean, people poke fun at this idea in other media 
mediums like Nightmare Before Christmas, of course, kind of establishes the fact that Halloween doesn't have a, a mascot like Easter does or like Christmas does. And I love, love, love the idea of Sam. And I like I love everything about him. He's cleverly like named after Samhain, you know, which is like the Gaelic festival of harvest. It's um, the spelling of Samhain, which yeah. is like you said, Gaelic. So it's spelled radically different than how it's pronounced. And uh, it's spelled like Samhain. And so Sam. Yeah, it's it's clever. He's cute. It works. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a great idea. And I love that he's really the, the center of this film, you know, because all the stories, you can watch them by themselves. But there's one thing that ties them together. And it's Sam. And he's witness to all of it. Yes. And they say that Sam is the thing that really ties all the stories together. But not necessarily, I don't think. Uh, one thing I love about this movie that you don't see in most anthologies is that it feels like all the stories take place in the same town on the same night, Halloween night. In all anthology movies that you normally would watch, it'd be like, this story happens, then we move on to the next story, then we move on to the next story. And this one, they kind of overlap. Like, they'll show a little bit from one, and then they'll show a little bit from another, and then maybe another one, and then they go back to the first one. And it feels like the stories are progressing with the night instead of um, one after another. And all the characters from quite a few of the stories cross paths and maybe look at each other or see that they're doing something but they don't investigate and then later we find out what that character was really doing and I really like that it makes it feel like they're all living together in the same community they don't have anything to do with each other's stories but they would have crossed paths if they live that close to each other in the same town and just your average suburban community on Halloween night. I reckon we can begin to talk about the other stories that take place on this fateful night. Yeah, well, like we said, they all kind of work somewhat chronistically. So, like, they're all at the same time. So, right. at the beginning of the night... Yeah, but we're presented them yes, in, we're a, presented in a particular them. order. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I think the first one is is we suddenly are in virtually a spirit Halloween. I think they just removed the branding. And there's three girls trying on costumes. Gosh, and I wish I knew their names. But there's a few of them. Lori is, like, our main girl. She's very much presented in a way where she is, like, the Lori Strode of the group, um, or at least that's what they want you to believe in the beginning. You know, she is uh, kind of self-conscious, not really feeling herself with her group of friends. Here you go. And I found the other girls' names right here. Her sister Danielle is in the mix, and Danielle's two friends are also in this group. Their names are Maria and Janet. And all of them are uh, kind of going around. They're wearing, you know, the classic Halloween outfits, uh, the ones that you would wear to a party that are uh, a little on the seductive side. And Lori of course, and honestly, maybe that's exactly why she's named Lori. But Lori's, of course, is the most conservative. I think she's just wearing like a little red riding hood, right, Adam? Yeah, and, and she's sort of got the cape drawn over her, you know. And a right, she's very much hiding herself while the others are not. They're out and they're proud, and while they're out, they are able to pick up some guys. They all pick up some dates. Of course, all of them except for Lori, who, again, we're supposed to believe is very innocent. But she... she she keeps mentioning how uh, she doesn't want, like, her first time to be a waste. She wants it to be special. And, you know, of course, there's implications to that. And you're supposed to gather that she is saving herself, possibly for marriage. You know she's not like these other girls. Th this is, first of all, I should say, this is my favorite vignette in the whole thing. I love the twist in this. So now it's hard to talk about all of them without talking about the other ones. Because there's reveal yeah. after reveal. One thing I love about this movie that I really picked up on watching it is that this movie loves to just bombard you with plot 
twist after plot mm-hmm. twist after fake out after fake out. It's insane. It's every single reveal is not what you expect. It's so much. It happens so much. Like there's at least four plot twists in every mini story and it's crazy. Anyways, I'll move on. We, um, meanwhile, as the ladies are trying to, you know, pick up men, we, we see this big, clearly like the mean kid walking through smashing pumpkins. It's like this, uh, you know, just big kindergarten bully looking kid, you know? And, uh, this one house opens the door and says, Billy, why don't you come up here? I see you doing what you're doing. And, uh, eventually we gather that this is the principal of the school and um he's feeding him candy and uh after a while this kid starts coughing and coughing and coughing and the uh principal's making jokes and then he coughs worse and worse and then the principal looks a little bit concerned and he says oh wait but there is one tradition you forgot about billy always check your candy and so this principal poisoned this kid and the kid throws up vomit and its blood is all interspersed with it and it's huge dramatic the principal's evil and that would have been like a good ending to that story Like, you know, this principal's talking to this kid and then suddenly the kid gets sick and he dies and mwahahaha, the principal's evil, he killed the kid. But then the story keeps going and you have to watch the uh, principal bury the kid, get rid of the body, make sure nobody sees him doing it. And that's when it quits being this horror uh, evil principal thing and it turns into a comedy because he's comedically got to like shuffle the body around and he's having trouble with it and people keep seeing him. And um, as he starts burying it in his backyard his son sticks his head out the window who looks even younger than the other kid he's like six maybe and he keeps yelling like daddy come help me carve a pumpkin and stuff like that and he keeps having to be like quiet billy i'm burying a body but you know he doesn't want his kid to find out and then the neighbor comes out and is an angry bitter old crotchety man and and you know we go through the motions and um he he finishes burying this kid and then he goes inside to his own kid and they go in the basement Basement. And he says, Daddy, would you help me carve the pumpkin? And he says, of course, Billy. Uh, I've called both the children Billy because that's, you know, whatever, kid name. <laughs> yeah, I think the other boy's name was uh, was Charlie. Okay, Charlie and Billy. The little boy kid that was names. smashing the Yeah, those are both <laughs> just little kid names. Yeah. And there's this moment where he's got a knife and he's slowly raising it. And he grabs his son's head and he raises the knife. And it's this huge dramatic bit of tension. And you think he's gonna kill his kid and then he slashes downward and you hear a chop and then maybe for a second you think oh but he really just carved the pumpkin and then he pulls the knife back and it's covered in blood and you're like oh my god he just killed his kid and then they show they pan out a little bit and show that he's still with his kid and he's like good job billy we did it yay cute and you're like oh he didn't really kill him and then they show what he's carving and it's the severed head of that other kid and he's teaching his son to be a killer i guess yeah and so like all in that moment so many fake outs like he's gonna kill his kid his kids carving a pumpkin but no his kids really evil plot twist plot twist plot twist it's like (laughs) so much happens the tension never goes away it Uh, doesn't and it's a great scene yeah and shout out to the man that plays mr wilkins His, his name is dylan baker i see this guy in like a lot of different things well first of all he's an obie award winner which is like a very serious off broadway and off off broadway uh award that you can win so he's like he's a very serious stage actor but he's also he plays kurt connors in spider-man 2 i just think it's funny i immediately recognize 
recognized him from Spider-Man 2. He he tells Peter, Peter, you gotta you gotta get your work done, and gives him a a whole talking to. So I got excited when I saw him in this movie, and he does a great job. He is so creepy. And later on, through another story in this anthology, we do find out that he's not just into uh, killing children. Well, that's he's, the thing. His kid keeps saying, "Daddy, can I carve the pumpkin? Can we do this tonight? Can we do this tonight?" And he says, "No, Billy, I have a date later." Yeah. And you don't think that's gonna come back, but it does come back up again. Um, and you should take it from there. Okay, so we're back to our um, attractive ensemble going out and uh, meeting men. It's Danielle, Maria, and Janet. But Laurie, who is, again, remember, our innocent girlfriend, she very nicely just says, you know, I think I'm going to I'm not going to uh, head out with y'all and and hook up with these guys. Uh, and so, you know, us, the audience, we're watching her do her thing. And she kind of goes downtown where there is almost like Sixth Street in Austin. <laughs> But she's like in this like... And it's like partying everywhere. I went to yeah. visit my brother who lives in Massachusetts recently. And we went to Salem. And that's what I expected Salem to be like on Halloween night. And it probably is. It was oh, like, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it was like second only to Mardi Gras in New Orleans. It was like a party in this movie. And it looks electric for the record. We, of course, are very invested in Lori. We know she's rather innocent. You know, we want her to be taken care of. But she starts to get followed by this hooded character. Uh, this hooded character who is wearing a mask and uh, we can't help but notice that he has very sharp teeth. He's a vampire. So as she is being followed by this man, of course they want to elicit the reaction that you are, you're worried about her. But cut to uh, Lori's sister, Danielle, who is at a bonfire and as they're partying and we are to believe that Lori is being followed around, all of a sudden we see the masked man himself fall out of a tree and it severely hurt himself, probably like broke his back. Uh, he's bleeding from his mouth and the mask is pulled off of him and we see that it is Principal Wilkins, the very same man that was carving Charlie's head with his son. And then Lori appears and she is totally fine. She's totally fine and she decides to join her sister and her friends in the party. And this is where Marilyn Manson's cover of what song was it? Oh my God, Sweet Dreams. Yes, Sweet Dreams begins to play and they just do the most absurd but beautiful transition into werewolves that I've ever seen in my life to this song. And they just completely devour Principal Wilkins, devour the other unnamed men that were walking around with Maria, Danielle, and Janet beforehand. And Sam is watching and probably smiling under his little burlap sack mask. But this is my favorite scene in the entire movie. The Principal Wilkins reveal was awesome. The werewolf transformation paired with the Marilyn Manson cover blew my mind. One of, if not the hokiest thing I've seen on film. And it works so well. It's also so early 2000s, painfully early 2000s. And I love it. My God, do I love it. Oh, there's a lot in this movie that it's like, this is so of the time. <laughs> yes. Gosh. But I don't know about you, Adam, like watching this scene, I know we watched this one separately, but watching this scene reminded me of you. I feel like any like super edgy early 2000s music makes you think of me. <laughs> 
it's true. It's, it's a true, little cursed, but sure. It is I a little cursed, it. but was I, I right it. in assuming that you love no, this No, yeah, I, I love this scene because yeah. it's like, oh, this is so of the time. And they played that. Now, they played that Marilyn Manson cover, but they could have played She-Wolf by Shakira. Was that song <laughs> out at this time? I don't think it was, but if it was, man. So I guess we'll move on to there's suddenly some some tweens, some I think they're like 13-ish year olds yeah. in a group and they're gathering pumpkins. Mind you, we see three of these children, the mean ones, get candy from Principal Wilkins earlier in the film. So it's yeah. like totally full circle. Basically what you're to gather is there's an autistic girl that goes to their school that mm-hmm. gets picked on and they have her in the group and it's typical like she's the weird one. They kind of make fun of her but they still go along with like they still are going out with her and then they go to the town pit and it, they say it's a quarry but it, it just seems a little like it looks no, man, it looks like a cartoonish. hole yeah it's the town pit <laughs> like they go yeah. to a foggy abyss with no bottom and then the the sort of leader girl tells a story about how there was a bus driver and a bunch of problem children that had mental deficiencies and were possibly violent and all stuff wrong with them and the parents of these kids got sick of taking care of them so they paid the bus driver to drive a bus full of these kids off into the quarry the town pit and kill them and be done with their kids and it's super macabre and super morbid but it's almost cartoonishly so to a point that when I was watching this initially I thought maybe this story isn't true maybe it's just this girl telling like a playground rumor you know that was my thinking as well yeah and, and so then she says we're here because we're gonna go down and light a pumpkin for each one of the kids that got killed in that horrible, horrible massacre. So as they go down there, Macy, that she's she's the leader of this group. It, you know, she leads them where they're going to put the jack-o'-lanterns. And mind you, it's very misty, right? You can't see much. Basically, there's this rickety-looking, spooky uh, Dr. Frankenfurter elevator that goes God. down into the pit that is not real and nowhere would have. And they one by one start slowly going down until it's this one kid named Chip and Rhonda are the only ones left and uh, they start going down in the elevator and they see the lights in the fog that the other kids have from their jack-o'-lanterns and then you hear them one by one scream and then the light go out and you think like oh they're getting got by the ghost kids and then uh, eventually they get to the bottom and Rhonda starts to go investigate trying to look for them and then she sees these horrific slimy ghouls that I suppose are the zombies of the dead kids start uh, coming out of the fog and chasing her and she runs back to the elevator and finds Chip with his entrails out being eaten by these ghouls and uh, they corner her and and she's backed up against these rocks and she falls backwards out of fear and, and smashes her head on a rock and then that's when they pan over to the ghost kids and they all take off their masks and it was the whole group of kids the whole time pulling yeah. a, a very mean-spirited prank on and so now Ryan. at this point you definitely think the bus rumor uh, is fake right and that the children did this just to scare poor Rhonda. But now Rhonda's hurt. They broke her glasses and she's all disheveled and it's clearly like she's just scared and hurt and confused and it's not funny and one of the kids is like, guys so mean. What are you doing? Stop making fun of her. Come on. She got hurt. And it's like no. (laughs) Screw you still. Like he acts like like he really gets up on a high horse and it's like you were absolutely a part of this. First of all there's no way this wasn't going to end in mean-spirited horribleness and now that that's exactly how it ended you're upset about it and it's like what do you think was going to 
gonna happen, man. Get get out of here. Super unlikable. And you know, they start walking Rhonda back to the elevator, and like you said, they start cleaning up. And then Macy decides to, for whatever reason, these kids suck yeah. for the record. Uh like she just decides to kick one of the jack-o'-lanterns into the hole, the town pit. And as it falls into the abyss uh, and lands with a kachunk, now they have awakened the real beasts, the real zombies. Well, we get a bit uh, of dialogue where um her and Chip are like talking and Chip's like, well, you even made that story up. She says, no, that part's actually true. And we see right. a smashed bus sticking up out of the ground in the center of the pit as she says this. You'd think they'd clean it up. You think they would? <laughs> they really just left a whole crime scene laying around for a few decades. Yeah, it's just there. The the proof of their shame uh, and their evil hatred towards their own children just sits in the quarry. But it's I guess you'll never see it because it's so foggy. But anywho, I digress. The uh, zombie children do start to reawaken and appear through the fog. And this is when the scramble happens. The kids start to sprint towards this terrible, terrible rickety elevator and one of them gets picked off but then Rhonda does make it to the elevator on time and as she closes the door I believe it's the boy that like had a change of heart last minute that is like please let me in let me in and you just hear the screams of the children being eaten as the kid is trying to get in the elevator and Rhonda totally could have saved one or two of their lives but instead does the G thing and takes it <laughs> up with by herself yeah. and just walks home as she listens to the kids scream and then she runs into Sam on her way home. Yeah, they look at each other. That's about it. But I yeah. love that ending too, because it's too. like, yeah, she didn't do the like hero thing of letting them anyway, forgiving them. You still don't hate her for it. You still feel no. like you go Rhonda, you know? <laughs> And she yeah. does this fake out. Once again, there's so many fake outs in this movie. I think there was about three of them banging on the door and they were like, please let us in, please unlock it. And she grabs the the key and she slowly goes to the lock as if she's gonna unlock it. And then she she basically does like a psych and moves the key away and presses the up button and then just leaves them. And I love the <laughs> the pageantry of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. Dang, I, you know, I mean, I already said that the, the bonfire scene was my favorite, but I really like this one too actually yeah. i think it's a lot of fun i don't know i, I like love the, bonfire the one too. yeah i love the quarry setting yeah i do too i know what my favorite scene is though oh and is it the one we have to talk about still i think it is the one left yeah like i said there's a lot of crossing paths of these stories you know Rhonda saw sam the principal was one of the victims of the werewolves later it's all kind of interconnected and i like that in this final story we see what happens to this crotchety old neighbor that the principal lives next to that yelled at him earlier in the movie uh and earlier in the movie when he starts to like go inside clearly the neighbor's like banging on the window and like saying like help me and you know because he's such a jerk the principal just ignores him and goes inside and now we get to find out what he needed help about so the crotchety old neighbor he's clearly like that's the house you don't go trick-or-treating at because he's the big scary man and the house is kind of run down and he's just watching tv being grumpy and some kids knock on his door and he dresses his dog up as like this gross ghoul and has the dog like chase the kids out of his house and they in in their fleeing they drop their candy bags and run away and so he grabs their candy bags and he's he's scaring kids and eating their candy which is slimy and villainous and this is clearly what he does to disrespect the tradition of Halloween uh, who else comes to punish him but Sam and this is where we get to see Sam do things this is where Sam is in action what follows is the whole 
whole short story here is just this man trying to survive against yeah. Sam. And it's so cool. There's kids knocking on the window. There's some eggs thrown on the window. And, and he thinks it's just kids at first. But they start becoming stranger and stranger. And eventually someone knocks at his door. And he's, he's getting paranoid because of all this noise that's happening around his house. And he opens the door. And his yard is filled with jack-o'-lanterns the whole yard every square inch no human being could do this in the 10 minutes since he last opened the door and that's when clearly something really creepy and supernatural is going on so he hears a noise upstairs and he goes to investigate and there's no one in the room it's his bedroom and then he turns around and the door slams shut in the corner of the room is this pumpkin that bursts into flame and the fire shoots up to the roof and the whole room is just engulfed in flame. Uh, when the fire ignites and, and lights up the room, you can see everywhere on the wall is written over and over, trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. In blood. In blood. <laughs> and that is my favorite scene in the movie. Because that's like, it's really cool. Really spooky. Very cool. Really scary. Really horror. But also super Halloween. And it's perfect for me. I love it. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a fantastic reveal. And we get a lot of like really just satisfying fan service in this scene. This is the first time we're able to see like Sam get hurt. We're actually watching Sam do some of the, the attacking because we've seen, you know, in, in the cold open, the results of his of his murderous tendencies, but we have not yet seen him attack somebody. So this is an awesome, awesome conclusion to the film. And I mean, it, it really is quite the battle. Yeah. And just so much happens. This man gets beaten up. So yeah. first Sam slashes his Achilles Achilles tendon. When he turns around to look up at the horrific scrawlings on the wall, Sam evidently was under the bed the whole time and slashes his ankle exactly like Gabe in Pet Cemetery does. Sam just keeps messing this guy up, just the rest of the sequence. Sam, it's shown that his knife is a box cutter inside of a candy bar, which I love that this old man runs away from him and falls down the stairs, and he lands on, comedically, it's like when you throw marbles to make someone slip and fall. Sam has evidently thrown candy and razor blades so he falls yeah. and he lands on all these laser blades and his hands are cut up and he can't use his hands anymore and he has a shotgun this whole time and sam's running around just keeps messing with him and he finally in the struggle he he pulls sam's burlap sack off and we get to see underneath that sack sam uh has a pumpkin for a head he looks like Pumpkinhead jr and i personally i know he's supposed to be all scary and it is kind of creepy and weird to see this weird fleshy pumpkin head creature but i think um um, he's still really cute. <laughs> I still he think is he's cute. cute. Yeah, but he's got like this demonic, leathery pumpkin face. Yeah, he's not scary to me. I think the weirdest part is that it's like vaguely fleshy. Yeah. The, yeah, the pumpkin it's really face. Fleshy, fleshy pumpkin. But yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, this movie, like, the character designs are so neat all around. I love the look of the werewolves, though we don't see them for very long. Uh, I love the transformation scene. I love seeing Sam, both masked and unmasked. I love the, the look of the, the vampire that we later learned was Principal yeah, Wilkins. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera looking vampire. Yeah. And I, even I, the zombie kids too look great. Yes, the zombie kids look excellent. The ghouls. The character design in this movie is really solid. Just a blast to, to see. Yeah, here we get, we get to see the uh, crown jewel of all this character design be featured. Clearly so right. much work went into just designing this character and they pulled it off 100%. It looks so great. But anyway, in this struggle, the old man has had a shotgun this whole time and he finally manages 
goes to shoot Sam. He shoots him in the chest, blows off his part of his face, and then blows off his arm. And Sam is, you know, more than dead. You've seen a pumpkin get smashed. So the guy thinks it's all over, and then he gets cut once again. And you see Sam's severed hand has cut him. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, it crawls away very like Adam's family. Crawls away, grabs the burlap sack, and, and brings it back to Sam, who is regenerating. His hand goes back onto his wrist and reattaches itself and he just regenerates and, and I guess you can't kill Sam is what this implication is. Of course, he's the spirit of Halloween. He's the spirit of Halloween. You can't kill Halloween. The, the, the store is named after him. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it must be because they sell so much merch in this movie. <laughs> and and this man is ruined at this point. He's been beaten, stabbed, cut. He goes to smash Sam one last time and Sam catches his wrist and breaks his arm. Like this man is so incapacitated. His leg is, his Achilles tendons cut. He, he slices his Achilles tendon. Yeah, yeah. he's clearly not going to do anything. And Sam bites that uh, lollipop into a knife and he raises it above him and he slashes down to stab the man and the man screams and squeezes his eyes closed and there's a moment of silence of no movement and the man opens his eyes and he sees that Sam has stabbed a Snickers that was on his chest and then he lifts lifts the lollipop up and takes a bite out of the Snickers and he walks away he doesn't kill him he just yeah. wanted him to respect the spirit of Halloween and then the next scene some kids knock on his door he opens it and he's all bandaged up he's got his arm in a sling and he reaches into the sling and pulls out a handful of candy and dumps it in all the kids bags because now he knows he must respect the traditions lest Sam shows up and kills him. I thought that was a fun little ending but for, first and foremost this man got like cut up couldn't even use his hands because they were filled with razor blades and his Achilles tendon got sliced and then uh, the next scene he's just kind of wearing some bandages like he That's went true. to the cabinet and bandaged himself up and didn't go to the hospital and everything but then it ends with one more plot twist. First yeah. he goes to sit down and there's another knock at the door. Some more trick-or-treaters have shown up. And I guess we should have said that at the beginning of this whole scene, we see him burning pictures in a fireplace. Yeah, he, he's burning records of something in the fireplace uh, as this scene is happening. And as he goes to rest, there are some more knocks on the door. And uh, old man Krieg opens up the door, thinking it's just another bunch of trick-or-treaters. And I guess he's kind of right. But he opens up the door. They chose trick it's the kids from the quarry. The the zombie kids, though. The ghouls. And they're there to get revenge on Krieg because then we get a pan into the fireplace and we see that Krieg was that very bus driver that was paid to kill those eight children all that time ago. Yeah, and I love the reveal. Once again, yet another plot twist. <laughs> they keep throwing him in. Oh, man. And even one as simple as this, which just he fights Sam. There's already been two plot twists where three even where he doesn't kill Sam, Sam doesn't kill him, and then he gets killed anyway by these kids and then he's the bus driver. And when he opens that door and he sees those kids, it really is scary because it's just a porch full of just rotted zombie children holding their bags out. Uh, and then they, I assume, pull him apart and eat him and get their revenge. Uh, really cool. After that happens, we see Sam run across the street and then we see him look over at Henry and Emma from the very beginning of the movie and we see 
him watch her talk trash about Halloween and start blowing out the pumpkins. I guess that's when the movie starts and, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah, it's great. You can watch it on loop. You can watch it on loop. What a fantastic movie. It's a great movie. I mean, it really, really is. I would say this is a must watch on Absolutely. Halloween night. Absolutely. It's so just seasonal. Nightmare Before Christmas and Halloween Town are the only other movies that feel like it's about Halloween like this movie does. And this movie has a nice horror aspect as well as a bit of comedy. So it, it's perfect. And I think most people haven't seen it. So instead of watching the same movie you watch every Halloween, you can watch this. Have something new, refreshing, and um, seasonal. And really, really strong great, also. Strong, <laughs> like, so strong. Like just a great movie. No, I love this movie. I think it should be part of everybody's lead up to Halloween. I can't recommend it enough for this season. Please do yourself a favor. Watch this movie. Where did you watch it? I watched it on HBO. That's where I watched it too. I'm pretty sure you can rent it, but I do think it's free on HBO still. Yeah, you can watch it on HBO right now. So I don't think that was true like just a few months ago, but now that, it, now that it's timely, now that it's the season, it's on HBO. So please give it a watch. Definitely worth it. Absolutely. Right. Thank you for joining me, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Thank you everybody for listening and have a very happy Halloween. Goodbye.